0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Sons of Sequoia podcast. Good morning. Episode 48, March 31st, the last day of March. How are you, David? I'm doing well. We're doing Movie Tuesday today on a Wednesday because you had a little mishap in your neighborhood, did you not? Oh, yeah, I sure did.
1: It was it was uh, a uh, power pole fell down and, and wiped out all of our power and our internet and everything. And it took about 12 hours, about 13 hours to get the power back, but about about two days uh, or about a day for um, uh, to get the uh, internet back.
0: Yeah, so, uh, I don't know. I was thinking about this before we started. You know how Forrest Gump will tell stories? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And he'll tell stories of consequential historical events, but he'll tell them sort of -of matter-of-factly. It likes. And then uh-huh. one day, for no particular reason at all, a power pole fell. Knocked out your power and your internet for a day. That's, That's what happened. <laughs> That's about right. <laughs> for no particular
1: reason at all. Okay. Nope. <laughs> there was no particular reason at all. It just happened. And sometimes things just happen.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So today, we will be discussing, it is Movie Tuesday, but we're doing it on a Wednesday, the Academy Award-nominated short film... Colette and this was pretty awesome don't you think
1: yes it uh, we we watched it twice uh actually uh I'm, I'm i'm becoming a very big fan of short films
0: and documentary uh, shorts in particular right
1: and documentary shorts in particular these are these are artistic these are pieces of art i think uh i was thinking about that last night about the film you know about the hour and a half film, and hour, hour and a half, two hours, two and a half hours. It's all this artistic, this and that, and well, it's about the cinematography. It, it's not necessarily about the story, uh, but these short films are about. It's it's about the st- It's very impactful.
0: I, I also feel like if I were at a if I were at a, a film festival. I mean, the, the documentary short's okay because you go in and you sit and you watch it and then you go to the next film. But I wouldn't want to go to a theater and pay 10 bucks to see a 15- or 20-minute thing. Uh, the, the age of the documentary short, and I apologize for having my sound on on my phone, the age of the documentary short really lends itself to the age of the Internet, where you can dial up this Academy Award-nominated documentary on YouTube – And you sit in your living room, and after 20 minutes, it's over. And it's like, that was fantastic. And you don't have to go to some obscure – because I'm looking out, I Googled it. It looks like it was at the Big Sky Documentary Film Festival. Well, you don't have to travel to – I don't know where the Big Sky Film Fest is, maybe Montana. Uh, But you don't have to travel to wherever they have that film festival to see it. You can see it from the comfort of your own home, and then more people get to – really experience that story and i think that for colette it's a very important story and i'm extraordinarily happy that they made it and we watched it at home mm-hmm.
1: and and in the in your home you're going to see a story a documentary the impact the artistry very differently it's going to be according to your experience and not the experience in a movie theater with some strangers hmm. And, and I think I think you can bring it home, literally bring it home. And we did. Afterward, it was so powerful. We began talking about it. We talked for a while, didn't we?
0: Yes. And of course, we looked into the origins, the oranges of Colette, the movie. And those are somewhat fascinating as well, wouldn't you say? I I think the backstory of these short stories and
1: why a documentary would why would anyone make a documentary? that's a story unto itself and i think the backstory in this one is just as compelling
0: Mm-hmm. and uh yeah this one i don't know i just found it very uh colette 2025 okay i'm pulling up the wikipedia just so we have it we can refer back to it yeah um well once you do it once the setup
1: i mean it was uh, colette it was colette marine catherine did i say that right i, I can't speak french But uh, Colette Marin Catherine, that's how you'd say it in English, uh, or probably broken English. uh, That was the lady who was 90 years old, who was a French uh, uh, resistance fighter, resistance fighter as a young girl. And her brother, uh, Jean-Pierre, was, uh, I think, in his 20s, and he was... uh, A resistance fighter, but he was taken to a concentration camp and he died. uh, Well, horrible conditions. And he died like three months. Was it three weeks? No, three weeks,
0: three weeks before the Americans liberated
1: the camp. Yeah. And so she went back and uh, this young girl, Lucy Fobel, and I don't know how old Lucy was, but she
0: looked fairly young. Yeah, like like in, her, 20. in her 20s. I mean, she's probably in her 20. She has a professional job at a museum doing historical research. So I don't think she's in her. She looks like a teenager, but she's probably in no, her 20s.
1: She's not that young. But yeah, but she wanted to do this story. She contacted Colette and she wanted to tell the story. And uh, this young girl and this older lady got together to tell the story. And then uh, I'm not sure who filmed it. Uh, I think you were looking that up. Yeah. This, that, this was an awesome film. It was well done, but the story was compelling. But both of them, it was just, it was just a, uh, everything was well done.
0: Well, I guess um, I'll say, because he sort of left out a key details, Colette was 90 years old. She'd never been to Germany. She'd never wanted to go. She'd never been to the concentration camp. She'd never wanted to go at the beginning of the movie. Oh, and this is one thing I also I wanted to say about short-form documentaries, set in filmmaking... I mean, I never took a filmmaking class, but I've heard this before. I've heard it said by people that have taken filmmaking (laughs) classes that in filmmaking, every scene should do something. It should move forward the narrative. And that is especially true with Colette. Um, Everything they chose to put in from what they filmed, it really was meaningful to the overall message of the movie. And I think if you stretched it out to an hour and 30, there would have been some fluff. There would have been some stuff that wasn't meaningful. Every single thing they showed in this movie was great. But to get back to the plot, she'd never been well, to Germany. She'd never been to the concentration camp. She never wanted to. Well, this girl, Lucy, was working for the local museum uh, doing biographical sketches of all the people that died in Nurenhäusen uh, at the Mittelbau Dora concentration camp. And Jean-Pierre, Colette's brother, was one of those people. Well, Colette was reading these biographical sketches of the people and she liked Lucy's work. And so she reached out to Lucy says, I'd like to meet you. And Lucy was, of course, over the moon because it's like I get to piece together a biographical sketch of one of the, the people that died at this concentration camp, not just from archival records, but I can go talk to this person's sister. This person's sister is still alive. And so uh, the fascinating thing is. All this sort of happened. And of course, there's not much more time for things like this to happen. Colette was 14 years old when her brother was taken. She was still a teenager at the end of the war. And she's 90 now. There's not too many French resistance fighters left. So the fact that this story was told at this time, I think is it's it's important because there's not many more opportunities to tell this story with the people that were there.
1: And Lucy asked questions about Jean Pierre. But Lucy also asked questions about her. Mm-hmm. Were you afraid? Were you scared? What would your mother say? How, how do you think uh, what it was like back then? And so the story is a lot it was was very personal. And, and like you say, uh, Colette said, uh, she's well on the train right there. I think one scene that was that was very, very everything was powerful. You're right, David. Actually, you're right. I mean, I don't know if you knew this, but I took a film making uh, course once. uh, And I was like a fish out of water. I go, what? You know, and I learned that and I put it, I put together a film. And but I I began to see what other people were doing. And I did it very poorly. And I go, wow, now I appreciate film. And that's why short films are all about the art and telling a story. It's not about creating an hour and a half escapade uh, for people to be for for emotion. It's actually telling a story. And on the train ride. uh, I don't know if it happened, you you can correct me, David, because sometimes I get my facts. I, I, I remember the big picture, not the details. Lucy said, Well, this story needs to be told so it will not be forgotten. And Colette Colette just looked out the window and said, I've taken my whole life to try to forget. Mm -hmm. And to me, the impact of that short scene and those few words, I began to realize we're seeing this story from two perspectives. One from someone who lived it and they don't want to go back there. They don't want to relive it. They want to forget it because it was horrible. And another one, a young person who wants to tell the story to say, look how horrible it is. Let's never let this happen again. Mm-hmm. And so both both are important. And it's and it's it's again, it's getting back to the to the uh, uh, irony of life and irony of of nature in the world that you want to and you don't want to at the same time. Yeah. But Colette did it. And she told the story. And and it was it was so impactful.
0: I and there's one scene I pointed this out to Laura. She didn't notice this, and I didn't notice it until I watched it the second time. But it's right at the very beginning of the movie. Can I can I show it?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, we'll watch it real quick.
1: Allez,
0: grand frère. Alors, où es-tu bah, Tu ne vas pas me dire que tu as peur de quelque chose. Hein non, t'as pas peur. Oui. Tu as quand même de souffrir, hein That scene. Yeah. Do you know? Wow. That scene doesn't have impact until you've seen the whole short. Yes, but I didn't really realize this. She says, you don't seem to be suffering. And then after they visit the concentration camp where her brother was killed and she sort of relives some of these moments, she breaks down crying because she didn't bring... I mean, there's a lot of tearjerker type moments. Um, But she and Lucy are sitting together on a bench and she says, listen to the birds. Maybe they're... Maybe they're a collection of all of our sorrows. Or maybe it's Jean-Pierre telling us that he's happy. Who knows? And so she talks to the birds as if they represent some sort of spiritual element. But it's also she's talking to the birds in the very first scene of the movie. So they, they didn't notice that. So they bring that back later, you know? Yes. And I think that's that's good filmmaking. They had this little piece of tape of her talking to the birds. And then she's explaining to Lucy listen to the birds you know
1: but but i another thing that i noticed the second time is that uh, she opened the window and she called the bird and the bird came Mm -hmm. it was a pigeon (laughs) yeah but
0: uh, but anyway it looks like she laid out some sort of seed or feed or something
1: right and and well they had the camera there to take a camera of it so the bird was obviously newer it was not afraid of her anyway her, her what she said was fascinating though it says he says, uh, you're not scared, are you? Don't be scared. Uh, you're not suffering. And just what she was saying was kind of like, this is what uh, this this short film is going to be about, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and at the end, it, she brought it back to the birds. I didn't notice it either, David. It was good.
0: So that's sort of like every scene means something.
1: Every scene leads leads to us supports the story and then it all leads to the next scene. Yes, and it does lead in, uh, and it was it was extremely well done. But both Lucy and Colette were were just awesome. They were likable. Yeah, very much so. Because because they liked each other,
0: mm-hmm.
1: they respected each and other. And it's like they respected each other. They really did. And it's funny because they didn't know each other before this, but very very quickly, they they became. They became friends mm-hmm they had it they had uh, it, it was yeah I can see why uh, just because of the filmmaking it could be just our artistry uh, but more than that the actual story itself and also Colette and Lucy Lucy was great hmm because she, she was honest and she was real and 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 they picked the scenes where there was emotion and honesty And uh, it, uh, the um, well, we we began talking about it, and and I've already mentioned I I think a key element of this short short film is a story from two different perspectives: somebody who lived it, and a young person moving forward. And I think one scene when Colette took off the ring. Oh yeah, that 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 was. After uh, she was after she was at, I think it was after the crematorium Uh-huh. and uh, she was in the woods and uh, it, there's a lot of, a lot of touching scenes mm-hmm. because, because it was real. Yeah.
0: Uh, this was not acting.
1: It, it was, it wasn't acting. It was all real.
0: And, I mean, those were the tearjerker type scenes when they revisited her brother's barracks in the concentration camp, when they visited the crematorium, when they visited the tunnel where they worked him to death, building the V-2 rockets. And, of course, the documentary filmmakers, they added some extra stuff to sort of make it more of a tearjerker. When they visited his barracks, it was these old, run-down brick buildings in the middle of the German wilderness. But, of course, they juxtaposed walking around in that area with photos of people that had died in concentration camps and they were emaciated and they were in their prison uniforms. And so so you get that visual, but Colette, obviously, and Lucy didn't get that visual. But then Colette says, I should have brought something. I should have brought flowers. And you've just seen the pictures of all these men dying in the concentration camps. And it's like, that's emotional. Yeah. Um, when they visit the underground bunker where he helped build V2 rockets and they worked him to death, the the filmmakers put on stage... You know, information about the first long-range ballistic missile, the V two rocket. Uh, to avoid bombing, they built it underground in this tunnel, and more people died building it than were ever killed by its deployment in the field of battle. And it's like that's pretty impactful too. You know, their war machine killed more people by trying to to Make wage it. war. Yeah, than by actually waging war.
1: More people were killed making it than using it.
0: Yes. So the filmmakers, I thought they'd selected some very good things to add to give you the context to make it more emotional.
1: And they had actual footage of, you know, the German uh, war machine and Hitler and and uh, actual footage from the 40s. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and also that was impactful because that's what Colette, Colette lived through. Yes. She lived through that. She was there and it's, was there during that time. And, uh, and they, they, you know, the workers in the tunnel, uh, underground tunnel or bunker to build the v2s. They said they worked 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. And most workers died within a month. That's that's kind of like the stamina of a human body. Yeah. 24 hours a day, no rest. You can go a number of days, but you can't go much more than that
0: it just does not seem i guess the germans at that point they were losing the war and they didn't care but it seems like if you had intelligent people that could be mechanics that could be you know skilled laborers why would you just run through them why wouldn't you sort of preserve that resource that asset and it's just sort of the senselessness of the whole german experiment experiment um that was just one small part of it but it's like why why would you let these people die?
1: Well, I don't know if this is true or not, but what I thought was, what were their metrics? Their metrics was productivity. And human life was not a metric. Mm-hmm. And so human life was expendable to have that productivity. Uh, unfortunately, that does happen too. Uh, outside of that. But there people died yeah it it was it was it was severe
0: i think uh, i mean it's a lesson for today what are you optimizing for you're gonna get it uh i mean people like this is completely off topic but social media like what is it optimizing for it's optimizing for engagement it's not optimizing for healthy dialogue or mental health or any of those things it wants you to spend as much time as possible on the app at all costs and that cost might be uh, functioning democracy or your own mental health. Or, you know, if you get involved in these Facebook gambling accounts, your bank account. You know, you could lose it all. But as long as they're optimizing for, you're spending more and more time on the, the app or the, I mean. So for the Germans, like you said, they were optimizing for productivity. But they were thousands and thousands of people were dying. And they didn't care. And I, like you know, you teach this, but they clearly weren't optimizing for sustainability. Uh, They weren't seeing these people as an asset. And and people as an asset are certainly not infinitely replenishable. And that's what boggles my mind. It's like, not only do people have intrinsic value as people, but they should have extrinsic value as, you know, skilled laborers. It's not an inexhaustible resource. So...
1: Well, if the if you can replace them, and they could, they did. In their mind, uh, their skill was replaceable. Mm -hmm. But the value a human brings is much greater than skill. And that's lost forever. Yes. And that's what Colette was saying about Jean Pierre. He was he was brilliant. He was nice. He was funny. And that's gone. You can't create another individual like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Every person is unique. And I think to me, from the story, every person's unique and every person has value and every person should be valued. Mm-hmm. And it's not what they give you or what they do or what they produce. It's who they are. Well, when she gave, when she gave uh, right after this scene where she says I should have brought flowers, and it was very touching. Mm-hmm. They they had met. I don't I don't know how long they had known each other, but Colette, this ninety year old uh, beautiful lady, intelligent lady, very intelligent, you could tell, and sharp. You know she 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 says this this is the only thing of Jean Pierre that I have. Mm-hmm. Took off her ring. And, and Lucy says, no, no, <laughs> no. And yes, and voila. And she put it on her finger and says, it'll go good around your, uh, on a, on a, as a necklace or something, but you keep it. And then, and this is, I think, why Colette did this. Because she says, she was 90. Colette mm-hmm. was 90. So she told Lucy, when you're 100, look at this ring with a jp on there jean jean pierre and say i was at this place
0: mhm
1: and you can't help but remember then
0: yeah
1: you will remember cuz she knew cuz she knew yeah. cuz she had lived through it and i th- mean she knew that lucy would remember with that ring because she kept the ring for however many 80 years or 70 years and that's so what she knew she would
0: remember. But that's also what Lucy told Colette in the car when they vid- visited the barracks. And that was an extremely emotional scene. And then they're in the car and they're driving to the tunnel and they're going to go to the crematorium later. And Colette was, you know, she got videotaped crying. And she says she's known for never crying near the end. But she's talking to Lucy and she's sort of upset because it's emotional. And emotions are running high. And she says, I don't know why... You need all these morbid details. You know, I don't know how it helps your documentation. And uh, Lucy says, you know, we have to tell the story or people won't remember it. And people need to remember it because it's important that they do remember it. And at the end, I think collect giving Lucy the ring was sort of like saying, it is important that people remember it. Mm-hmm. And here's a personal artifact from Jean-Pierre. And when you're 90 or when you're 100, you could say, I was here and I remember this. Mm-hmm. And I was here with someone whose brother died here, you know, and that's I think that's a fascinating. I mean, it was a powerful way to end the film. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert to anyone who hasn't seen it. But
1: once oh, I, I, I did like, twi- I watched it twice. I'd watch it a third time. There's mm-hmm. no there's no such thing as a spoiler on this thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You can watch it 10 times. It And every time you learn something new, it was very, very powerful and
0: very well done. One thing that uh, one scene I liked is when they get into Nurn Nurn Nurnhausen Nern, Nurnhausen, wherever the concentration camp was. Uh, the local mayor came out because they right. heard that Colette was there. what the heck's going on here? Oh, that's me. Uh, <laughs> there was a thing on your face, but that was actually just my mouse. It's your cursor. Yeah. Your cursor. Um, the local mayor comes out and he says, you know, the Nazi occupation and the concentration camps were a big part of my childhood. And I know that it's our duty as Germans to help to apologize for what we've done and make sure this never happens again. And so he was making it more general. And Colette was there on a personal journey. And she's like, I'm tired. I don't want to hear. You You know, please stop talking. Please sit down. And she had the, the fortitude to say, stop. I don't want to hear this. This isn't what this is about. This isn't about you sort of trying to absolve yourself of your nation's sins. This is about me on my personal journey. She, more than
1: that, David, she yelled, stop talking. And she banged the table.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It made everyone quiet. Whoa. And the mayor sat down. Or where, was he a mayor? Yeah, he's he the former
0: down. mayor of the place. I think that he yeah. wanted his time in the spotlight.
1: Yeah, but man, he, no, this is, no. Stop talking, and she's Well, she. She was at. The, at first, she says, "I don't feel well. I don't feel well," and he kind of says, "Oh, she doesn't feel well. I, I don't have much left to say. I have a little more to say." She says, "No, no, stop talking." And then she finally said, "Stop talking," and bam, and that that scene. If you start thinking about it, like you said, there, the mayor, the people there, Colette, and even Lucy. That scene was very interesting. It brought up more about World War Two. To me, a, a lot more you had the Germans, she was in Germany, there was a German, and then she was a French resistance fighter. And yeah, that was a long time ago, forgive and forget. No, you can't forget uh, things that happen. And you just don't want to relive it. Some things you don't want to relive. Mm hmm. Because they're part of you. And it was part of Colette. She just didn't want to be there. She didn't want to hear that stuff.
0: Yeah. It wasn't about, well, the Germans feel sorry for what they did. And this trip of a French resistance fighter coming here, we need to make that known. And it's like, Colette, for her part, it's like, it's not about you. It's not about, you know, this trip is about me. And I think that at some point, you just got to stop being polite to people and say, leave me alone. This isn't about you.
1: Well, I don't know if this is true or not, but it goes through my mind is that it's one thing to say you're sorry and and say it once and then move on to establish that move on. It's another thing to try to convince the other person that you're sorry and that to them that does not justify what you did. Yes, and I, I don't I think Colette's saying is look, there is nothing that you can say there's nothing anybody can say there's nothing that Germany can do to undo the pain that that was caused back then Mm -hmm. and saying you're sorry doesn't wipe it away. I think you got to be careful when you say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you know, that that's not payment you you can't pay people enough to to wipe it away. Yeah, some people say, I'm sorry to try to say, look, OK, fine, I, I'm vindicated. No, just say you're sorry and then move on. Uh, you, you can't go back and undo it, what happened.
0: Well, I think I, I kind of want to pull up the scene also because this guy did not have the emotional intelligence to realize that Colette was looking away. Colette wasn't paying attention. And I mean, he was just grandstanding. And I think politicians, you just grandstand. If no one's paying attention, you still pretend like you're the most important person in the room. That's what this guy was doing. And yeah. he didn't realize that it was just, so I'll, I, can I just pull up the scene a little bit?
1: Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Like I like I said last night, he was just being himself. Uh-huh. You know, he wasn't trying to be mean. He was insensitive and in just being himself.
0: I mean, obviously these scenes of, you know, war-torn Germany, you can sort of see him in the preview. They are tough. I, I want to show the scenes that are less impactful. Because I think that people should experience the scenes that are more impactful. Like the scenes at the concentration camps for themselves in the context of the movie. Does that make sense? I totally agree.
1: Oh, it makes perfect sense, David. I agree. There he is. Yep. Here we go. Sound. Verehrte
0: Frau Colette, Sie sind aus dem traurigen Anlass hier in der Nähe des vermuteten Grabes Ihres Bruders, der in unserer
1: Stadt während der Hitler-Verbrechenszeit ums Leben gekommen ist. Die Umstände am Ende des letzten schrecklichen Krieges habe ich als Kind sehr lebendig durchleben müssen. Wir deutsche bekennen uns zu diesen Fehlern, zu dieser Schuld und bemühen uns etwas ähnliches nicht wieder zuzulassen. Als ich hier in Verantwortung kam als Bürgermeister. Qu'est-ce que vous voulez que je dise? Qui s'arrête parce que je
0: bien. She's not looking at him. She's looking away. She does not want to hear any of this. And the guy, he's talking to her. He doesn't really recognize any of this.
1: And the translator next to her begins to recognize this too. Yeah. So he explains
0: it. Ah, yeah, we I'll oh, go right. Yeah, a One um, pause. One pause. Oh, pause. 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 But then we'll to right yeah. the yeah. the yeah. 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 I yeah. appreciate yeah. She's very grateful. very great. Great. It's it's I'm very down. Okay. down. I just thought that was good. Uh, the guy he wanted to make this about Germany's role and sort of being apologetic, and sort of said, this is gonna be great. She's gonna be so grateful to me for apologizing for what Germany did. And it's like some guy saying, Oh, this affected my childhood, Hitler's crimes, we need to make sure this never happens again. The lady. You know, 75 years ago, her brother got killed by this guy's parents, practically. You know? And what's she supposed to say? Oh, thanks for making that speech. She's like, no, I don't want to hear this guy talk. And can you blame her? I guess is... I really like that scene because it's like, this isn't about you, guy. Like, I'm here on this journey with Lucy, who I know is going to paint a fair uh, fair biographical sketch of my brother. And I'm going to do it for for this reason not to have you sort of feel less guilty about what your parents generation did two things one i
1: think his speech was appropriate for germans Mm -hmm. not for the french resistance people who lived through it Mm -hmm. that was totally inappropriate and i don't think he understood that at all i don't think he understood at all and uh, like you say, I don't think he had the emotional wherewithal to see what he was doing was inappropriate. You don't say that. That that flies to Germans of the present day and the youth of Germany. Oh, never. This is horrible. This is terrible. But you don't say that. That that that's not. That's the wrong thing to say to a French resistance fighter who lived through it. Yes. That that that's that's the opposite of what you should say.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could say, you know, as mayor of Nordhausen, you know, we are very sorry for what happened 75 years ago. We were half sorry for what happened in the war, but we're very glad that you're here now and you're very welcome. There you go. That would be an appropriate speech. That's right. But Um, see,
1: I think he was speaking from a German perspective to Germans because maybe that's all he knew. I don't think he meant to do anything wrong, but he did.
0: I think as a local (laughs) politician to his constituency are the local people. And he's like, oh, I can use this French resistance fighter to sort of bolster my image amongst my own people. Um, and we sort of, I compared this last night because we were YouTubing a little bit when you got your cable or you got your uh, internet back. Yeah. we uh, To Donald Trump's wedding speech from this weekend. Of course, that was even more tone deaf than this guy. At least this guy had some sort of message. But. That guy's speech, like you said, it was appropriate for a different time, perhaps. Different audience. Yes, like if it were young French people that were visiting, you know, exchange students, and you say, you know, the crime Hitler's crimes were very bad, and these young French people realize, okay, we're here in Germany, but they're not so bad anymore. But not a 90-year-old woman who lived through the worst of the atrocities, who lived through the occupation, whose brother got killed in a concentration. She doesn't need to hear this crap because she lived through it. She knows better than this guy does. I think this guy is used to being the expert in the room or the voice of, you know, historical measured, you know, competence. But Colette has much more competence than this guy ever will because she knows more about it than he ever will.
1: Sometimes... Not sometimes. Usually, the most important thing you can do and tell people who have sorrow is how can I? The worst thing you can say is, oh, I know what you're going through. Uh, but what you really should say is, I don't know how much it hurts, but I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. That's all you can say. That's all you can say. You don't know what people are going through going when they go through sorrow. And it's it's presumptuous, and it's a little bit insulting that your feelings are not real when you say that I know what you feel. Yeah, I, you don't you I, don't know what other people feel.
0: I know that it, it, it's insulting to the person that you're saying it to, but it's just you're just trying to cheer them up, and you've heard that before. It's not like you actually mean that.
1: Yeah, it's not malice intended. Mm-hmm. It, it's misplaced. Intentions.
0: Just like the mayor of Nordhausen wasn't trying to piss Colette off. He was, no. He he's probably been taught since he was young, you know, what the Germans did was wrong. And when you see someone that's, you know, from France or the Netherlands or Poland or, you know, the, the Jewish community, you apologize for Hitler's crimes and you feel recalcitrant about it. But it's like, he's like, oh, she's coming. Well, this will be a good opportunity for me to be the center of attention at this dinner. And give myself a little speech. And it's like. I, it's not the most tone deaf thing. Like Donald Trump's speech at the wedding this weekend. Mm-hmm. That was more tone deaf. Wouldn't you think?
1: Yeah. It was It was pretty tone deaf. All right.
0: Yeah. Like I won the election. But, I, got, see,
1: I, I think the point is. I don't. I don't think this mayor meant. To. He, he didn't. He didn't mean to do it. But he did it. Mm-hmm. And I think just because he wasn't aware. Yeah. And. And. Uh, and you're not aware of, because how many times did he talk to a, a a real, I mean, he was, I don't know, how old was he, in the 50s? 60s. His, his 50s, 60s? Yeah. How many times has he really talked to a French resistance fighter mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, that lived through it? How many times has he actually talked to anyone like that? He, he didn't know.
0: And I'm, I mean, I'm sure he thought he would give this speech, but wow, that's such powerful, stirring words. We Like, you know, he was hoping that Colette would be like, we all need to really think about our place in history. And, and I'm glad that, you know, you've said that today. Like, he thought that something like that would happen, but it's like, she doesn't need to hear it from you. But
1: notice at the beginning, when he says, when he introduced her, we welcome you here, and she smiled and nodded, you know? And so that was totally appropriate. But then when he went to tell the story about about Hitler and the horrible. You don't go there. Yeah, you don't dig those things back up. That 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 was the wrong thing to do. Because, because he wasn't there, she was there. And there's no way that he could know what it was like there. And so saying it was horrible, as this as if he knew how horrible it was. He Mm -hmm. didn't know how horrible it was. She did know how horrible it was. And there, that's what I mean by being presumptuous. So you have to be really careful uh, how you uh, how you talk to people, and uh,
0: so that was a good movie. I mean, that was a great scene, David. I agree. And then here's, really- here's another scene because I don't want to spoil the. Uh, I don't want to spoil the the powerful scenes, but before right. Colette leaves for Germany, I love this scene too because it. Uh, son of a gun uh cuz it just shows a glimpse into Colette's life. This is her going away party before she goes to Germany. <laughs> so, for those just listening, she's at this cafe She's surrounded by people that are at least 30 years younger than her. You know, the oldest ones are 30 years younger She's dancing with some younger man, and everyone appears to be enjoying life. And that's kind of a testament to her character, in a way. Uh, And I think that's an important scene to add, because she does, I mean, she's 90, but she goes on a trip, and they throw a party for her, and there's music and dancing and eating and... And I think that's cool. Like the fact that a 90-year-old says, I'm going to go on a trip. And it's like, well, we better have a party for you. And then everyone at the party is sort of enjoying life. That's probably one of the reasons that she lived to 90. Because she found a way to enjoy life and be around people that were full of life. (laughs) So I I like that scene too. Um, That's a good one. Before we get out of here, there's one more thing I want to mention that we found out last night. And this, of course, is not... The, the movie's power is in its story. And in Colette and Lucy, they both seem like very genuine people. Colette seems like an extraordinary person. I don't know about Lucy, but she was very good in the movie as a, an emotional support and a historical documentarian to to the French resistance and in, in the war. So well, she, she's doing important work. I don't know... Well, I, what
1: I want to say about Lucy... Is that I have a lot of respect for Lucy simply because Colette's reaction to her Yeah, because Colette liked her Colette was a good judge of character mm-hmm and she liked Lucy and
0: just because of that I have a lot of respect for Lucy yeah um, but this is sort of off-topic so summary of the movie two thumbs up right uh, yeah. Great! You can watch it. It's on YouTube. We'll probably leave a link to it in the uh, description for the podcast and in the video description here on YouTube um, to see this film. I think that everyone should see it. It's it's good stuff. But let's talk real quick before we go, just about the production company because I think that's a little fascinating piece of information. It's a 2020 American documentary film. Now, I was wondering, why is there no thumbnail? Like, I couldn't use the thumbnail. Like, for the title card of Colette, they didn't have a thumbnail. Why was there no thumbnail? Why was there no trailer? Well, because this movie was released. It's a co-production of Oculus and Respawn Entertainment. Those are two video game developers. And it's part of a documentary gallery. So extra content for the video game Medal of Honor Above and Beyond, which is a World War II style shoot 'em up game. And it's the first film produced by a video game studio to receive an Oscar nomination. Now, I don't know if you've ever played Medal of Honor, I'm sure you haven't. I have, back for the early ones. It's like it's a little bit like Call of Duty. You run around on missions and it's sort of like a first person view of um uh, you're a soldier. Combat. You're a soldier in World War II. Now, I think it's just interesting to me because this didn't have anything to do with combat. But I'm sure they were saying, well, we want this to be realistic. I'm sh- Maybe there's, I don't know this for a fact, but maybe there's French resistance scenes in Medal of Honor. And it's like, let's do some research. And they start doing research. And these video games have such huge budgets that it's like, well, let's throw half a million dollars and make a documentary, you know, because this is a good story. And I think it just shows... Video games, you know, even combat video games, by virtue of having customers, can have enough money where when the production crew is doing research for the game, incredible pieces of work like this film can emerge from it. All it takes is the will and the wherewithal and sort of being in the right place in the right time. It doesn't have to, you know, be the French Historical Society wants this story told. It was... Oculus, which is owned by Facebook, and Respawn Entertainment, which is owned by, I believe, Electronic Arts, making this video game and saying, wow, in our research, we've stumbled upon this story. Why don't we throw some money at it and make a movie? And the movie was fantastic. So I I just, I find that fascinating. It doesn't really take, uh, the, the gatekeepers are different than they used to be, if that makes sense. So if a video game company adds extra, sort of like the the bonus features on the DVD, the bonus features of the game, one of the bonus features is this movie. Like, that's pretty impressive. Uh, And I just think that, like, if you look at the Oscar nominations, so many are Amazon or Netflix, like the production house. And if you go back 20 or 30 years, they're Warner Brothers or Paramount. So, you know, the the digital streaming services are the gatekeepers of the stuff that gets nominated. But will in the future, will it be video game companies that are the gatekeepers of stuff that gets nominated? Anyone can create great content these days. And I thought this was one of the best short films I've seen in a long time. And we've been watching a lot of short films and it's, Cause they had the money. Uh, you're right, David. It's the
1: idea of that, that would this story had been told. Would this story ever have been told if a gaming company hadn't have researched it, found it and brought it to light?
0: Yeah. And Lucy would have done the I mean, this might have happened with Lucy and Colette traveling to Germany because Lucy was doing it for her research. But it may have happened without a documentary crew.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: And so. I do feel like Lucy's research is important. And when she publishes it, the French people will have a resource to draw upon to read biographical sketches of the individuals killed in Nordhausen. And that's important work that she's doing. But I also feel like more people will see this Academy Award-nominated documentary short and find out about Lucy's work because the documentary short was made. So I... I don't think you can make too much content about something that's important. And now we're making a podcast. Someone might tune into this podcast someday. Say, Colette, yeah. what's that? Oh, it's a documentary show. Oh, it's on YouTube. And they'll watch it because they heard this podcast. I don't like If something's good, I don't think you can make too much content about it.
1: No, you can't. You cannot. You cannot. And you should not keep talking about it. Mm-hmm. Remember, we would always say which we are going to say in a minute of keep on talking. Listen more than you talk and understand what the other people are saying. But when you say keep on talking, everybody should talk. Uh, you can tell the story from the perspective of a German. Mm-hmm. You can tell the story from the perspective of a young French uh, uh, young lady like Lucy. Or tell the story from the perspective of a 90-year-old French resistance fighter, Colette. Listen to all the stories. Listen to, to the older people, to the young people, to the people from other Uh, perspectives, listen to all of them, and see how how they think and what they mean. Because you'll begin to understand uh, how you fit into this world. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that is so, so valuable. And I think what we saw in this movie, at least what I saw in the movie, is how Lucy saw the story, Colette saw the story from two very different perspectives. They were different. But they're also the same. They revered it. They respected it and they they approached it with integrity. Uh, but they had they came from two different places. And you can't do that if you don't listen to the other person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to listen to them and it could come from anywhere it can come from from Warner Brothers. It can come from from uh, Netflix or it can come from a gaming company
0: mm-hmm. or, or a, a YouTuber.
1: Or a YouTuber, a YouTuber could do it too, uh, and actually, it had the money uh, did it, but the money wouldn't have done it without the story being there, mm-hmm. and the story wouldn't have been told without the money. So you really need everybody. You and, can't really judge. Don't judge too quickly.
0: And to say a YouTuber could do it, the one thing is that you know this, the investment to make this story wasn't <laughs> substantial. It wasn't millions of dollars. I, I don't know what the budget was, but, you know, these video games have hundred million dollar budgets, the Medal of Honor series and things that Oculus is producing and Respawn is producing. Um, well, a YouTuber, like you said, a lot of times we were talking about this earlier and I'm trying to sort of gather my thoughts, but a YouTuber is, opt. you know, we were talking about the Germans optimized for productivity at the expense mm-hmm. of their workers. Well, a YouTuber is sort of in this cycle where they're optimizing for clicks and views. And I think that when we looked at this, we watched this twice. And the second time we watched it last night, there were about 90,000 views. I guess I can look right now. That's one of the beauties of the Internet. (laughs) Okay, so it's nominated and the Oscars are coming up. I think that it's getting more views now than it has. 94,000 views. We see that. That's not very many. Honestly, to be completely honest, um, you know, let me pull up Logan Paul. He's a vlogger. His last video got 4.5 million views where he opens Pokemon cards. So that's uh, 45 times more views than Colette. And which one do you think is more impactful this story or the story of some guy opening Pokemon cards? Uh, so a YouTuber, in order to tell a story like this, they'd either be sacrificing the clicks that they would normally get on clickbait stuff, like Pokemon's in the title, kids will watch it, then it'll get millions of views. Uh, so I think that someone has to have the integrity to say, you know, we're going to spend a couple hundred thousand dollars to get less than 100,000 views, and that's going to be okay. Okay. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes, I am. I do. Like the the goal isn't 10 million views. We don't want this to go viral. If this gets 94,000 views and we spent $250,000 on it, that's okay because this story needs to be told. And I think that I'm glad that there's still, I mean, I'm glad that it's Facebook. Facebook is Oculus and they're always considered like the bad guys, but they made this, they financed this piece of art and that's a good thing. I'm glad that it exists in the world.
1: Well, I understand what you're saying. And a way to frame it, a way to look at it, I'm not saying this is the way to look at it, but a way to look at it is that, uh, yeah, uh, if you're going to open Pokemon cards and have nine point, you know, millions and millions of views, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with making millions and millions of dollars. But also, uh, if that's all you do, there's also value in having money and to make things like Colette and make impactful documentaries that really do make a difference. Because one is going to make you money, the other is going to is going to create a a, a knowledge, uh, a sensitivity of history to make sure it doesn't happen again. The value, one's dollar value. The other's value to society and the value to our posterity and, uh, and f- respecting our ancestry and looking at our posterity. Yeah, b- so but there's value
0: and different kind of values. That's what I'm trying to get at. I guess one there's of the There's nothing things, wrong with either one of them. One of the things that gets my goat, though, is uh, 45 times more people have seen this guy opening Pokemon cards. And that's just one of 100 videos he's released so far. This I mean, he, I think he releases a video every day. So what, 90 days into the year. That's one of 90 videos, so they all get millions of views and they're all garbage. And this was a well-constructed, thoughtful documentary that sort of tells a story in a very incredible fashion. And, and the story, not only is the story extremely well told, it's also an extremely important story. And 145th of the amount of people watch it as watch this guy opening Pokemon cards. And that's frustrating, but that's just the way the world is, you know? So it's not just that this but, guy's making money; it's also that more people care, more people are voting with their clicks about this garbage than do about stuff that I consider somewhat important, important part of the the narrative in popular culture today.
1: Yeah, but that's that's reality, and I guess I would what I was trying to get at is that would movies like Colette happen if the money wasn't there, even if the money was from uh, people like. Uh, Opening Pokemon cards, you know. So, but they will make these kind of movies. Yes,
0: like the gamers. Yeah, I, I, I I'm, I applaud Respawn Entertainment and Oculus for for saying, yeah, we're making this World War II shoot 'em up, but we need to do. Well, I mean, there's there's a scene in it about French resistance, so why don't we do some research on French resistance? And they do it, and they're like, wow, this is an amazing story. Why don't we give the director, or whoever, Anthony Giacchino, why don't we give him the money he needs to to film this story, to see this through, to sort of go film Colette at her house, to go film Lucy at her museum, to go film them coming together, to film her going away party, film their trip to Germany, film their trip to the concentration camp, and then cut it together at the end into a beautiful, poignant, 23-minute film. And... and it, I'm glad. I'm glad that they chose to say, "Well, oh, we got the story. Let's just, you know, we understand it. I don't think it made their video game any better making That's this right. movie. But I think that they, they understood that it's, the cost is negligible compared to video game development to sort of document this and document it professionally. And so I'm glad that they did. I'm glad that this exists in the world.
1: Yeah, they didn't. Yeah, I, 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 what I, I don't know if this is true or not, but the, the feeling, the impression I get, is they didn't make that movie to make their video game better to make millions and millions of dollars. They did it because it was the right thing to do, mm-hmm. and they could do it, and they did it, and that's and it was the right thing to do.
0: That's a very un-Nazi way, to run your business. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Actually, that's true.
0: So, I mean, people like to dump on Facebook. Oculus is Facebook. Respawn is Electronic Arts, I believe. Um, And it's so common. Oh, Facebook is Nazi Party. But really, when you look at it, I don't think the Nazis would have made a movie like Colette. So they're not that bad. (laughs) Facebook is not that bad. But I think, don't you think we've covered the movie? We've covered its origins. We've covered a lot of the scenes. We avoided showing the most emotional scenes. I sort of did that on purpose because I feel like people should experience the most emotional scenes for themselves.
1: Well, uh, I would say uh, that you can watch this short. It's 25 minutes or so. Mm -hmm. You you can watch this multiple times and every time you get something new from it because it's so well done. And uh, I I guess I want to make a point about short films uh, but the the artistry and the impactfulness of short films, I, I, uh, I wish people would start making more short films and make it available to to the populace to 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 people. Uh, I think the value that from the value to society of these shorts uh, available to anyone on on that's on YouTube or any type of uh, service that's free uh, is. As as it begin as that number of those begin to grow, it's going to really start changing uh, the face of uh, of movies, and it's going to and it's going to support uh, helps society. I'm not saying it well, but I think you maybe understand what I'm trying to say.
0: That yeah, these have an important place. Like a concerto is a conversation has an important place. This movie has exactly. an important place. Even exactly. a love song for Latasha, which I would put at the bottom of. We've seen three of the five so far. And I kind of feel like Colette, I loved the concerto as a conversation, but Colette might be above that. And Laura was reading an article about the odds on favorites to win this category last night. And the two top frontrunners are Do Not Split, which is about the Hong Kong riots and the sectarian violence between the mainland Chinese government and Hong Kong independence protesters. And Colette, they're the two frontrunners. And the person that writes the article goes, you know, but uh, Hollywood is funded in large part by Chinese money. And when you're talking about who's going to win the award, it never hurts to bet on old people and tearjerkers. So we think Colette is going to win the best documentary short because it was a story about an old woman and it was a tearjerker.
1: Well, that third one, you you know, about the about the uh, woman that got killed, I would say it's at the bottom. I would I would say that uh, the others were better, but it had, it had a good message, too.
0: It had a good message. I just think, for me, I thought A Concerto as a Conversation was powerful, and it I thought was. Colette was probably more powerful, although I loved A Concerto as a Conversation when I saw it. I thought it was a fantastic film. So here's the bottom line. Hats off to the Academy for having Best Short Form Documentary so that you and I and, and Laura can can get on YouTube or Netflix for Love Song for Latasha and find links to these and watch the films in their entirety from our homes and f- sort of realize these lesser known categories they're just as important as best picture does that it, it's you can get as much from watching the five best short form documentaries as you can out of wat- watching the five best picture nominees maybe even more so
1: well, short films like those are a true public service and a true value to social good. And that, that's the reason you do them, because mm-hmm. they need to be done. It's things that need to be said, and uh, those short films need to be done.
0: I think that's a good sentiment to end it on, but I would recommend Colette to anyone who watches it. We'll leave links to... The YouTube video in the description of this stream, and in the podcast description as well. So, now,
1: it, actually, it starts with you know some scenes are very hard to take. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is very emotional, and some things are hard to take. Uh, and so, uh, be aware, mm-hmm. uh, be aware of those things. So caution, because it is it is it is a tear jerk and it's, it's difficult, mm-hmm. and it's real. This is not a, this is a story about something that really did happen and in, in, uh, for some people it would be hard to take mm-hmm.
0: but uh, I think that's a good place to leave it is there anything you'd want to say before we sign off are we, re- are we ready to go David the music is playing alright David hey listen the sons of Sequoia
1: keep on talking but listen more than you talk and try to understand what the other person is saying
0: bye, bye. everyone bye